We have two dogs in our home. Aria is a two-year-old puppy who definitely needs help with her portions. And Nala is a 10-year-old dog who is living a great life and we wanna keep feeding her well so she can hang in there with us for a lot longer. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with them. The farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced and made from human-grade ingredients in safe, clean kitchens. It's the best option for dogs at all life stages. It doesn't matter if your dog is young or old. It's always the right time to begin investing in their health, helping you live more healthy, happy, and full years together. You can get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash vanished. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. today's Q&A episode, Maurice will be answering your voicemail questions. If you haven't called the voicemail line yet, but you'd like to, the number is 770-545-6411. Hey guys, if you didn't catch it in our last episode, we're currently holding a contest. We're giving away five framed up and vanished posters from framebridge.com. To enter this contest, all you have to do is rate the podcast on iTunes and write a review. We'll be randomly selecting five people from the reviews on iTunes to get one of these fancy framed up and vanished posters from framebridge.com. So if you want one, just rate and write a review on iTunes and you'll automatically be entered in the contest. Hi, I'm a listener in Maryland with a few questions. Um, my biggest question is what was the explanation given by the owner of the expedition that was burned at Snapdragon Road? What was his explanation for having his vehicle parked there um, when he wasn't there at the time? Um, another question I have is about the cell phone records of Tara. Um, you know, I know they know a lot about Keith Sykes calling and all these messages and other text messages that she sent throughout the night. But, you know, what was her last call? Did someone call, you know, and ask her to meet up with them or... I just wish there was more information on her cell phone and, you know, where it was pinging from, you know, calls that she was receiving or pinging from that kind of thing. Um, and finally, something that Dr. Godwin said on the last um, Q&A was uh, he mentioned that Joe, the neighbor, had Tara's car detailed on Wednesday after she went missing, unless I heard that incorrectly. Why would somebody have her car detailed after she went missing? That seems so bizarre, and I wonder why that was the decision made by Joe. Um, I look forward to you coming back for season two. Thank you. The only thing I could decipher in my investigation back in 06 and on to today uh, I mean, I don't have access to the case files. None of us do. But um, he said that he was house-setting. Now, there's been some postings on various type of websites uh, saying that he wasn't, that his wife was had had a key or something to do a little cleaning. But it's my understanding that he was supposed to be house-setting uh, for the lady who owned the place who lived in Florida, the elderly lady. In regards to the uh, the cell phone records, 
as far as the pings and the official records, the GBI has those. Uh, uh, never been able to get hold of them. I was told that I would be given the records back in March of '06. It never happened. Uh, I never was given the records, which would have helped me. Uh, well, Tara's records, I was told that, uh, not anyone else's. That would have helped me immensely, but they were never given to me. Uh, in regards to uh, Joe washing the car after that Monday, um, it's my understanding that his uh, reason was is about the fingerprint powder. Uh, Tara had a very, you know, fairly expensive uh, sports car, and it was white, and so he said he had it cleaned, washed because of the fingerprint powder. Is is my understanding, but a lot of people and and that is uh, view that suspicious. Uh, I view it suspicious too. Thank you very much for the question. Hey, this is Tamara from Illinois. Um, I've been listening to your podcast, and I actually had to listen to all the episodes again. And something really struck me in episode five about the black truck and just about uh, Tara in general. You know, I was kind of approaching it as it being a possible male suspect, someone she could be romantically linked with also. But as I listened more and more and re-reviewed the audio, it just appears to me that there's a female involvement in this. Um, you know, there was a, a partially broken necklace in Tara's home um, by her, you know, in her bedroom. It does appear like a struggle to happen. Um, you it is very possible the struggle happened and a female would have went to go make the bed or to kind of stage the room as if to show that no struggle had occurred. Um, that black truck kind of hit me too because I was thinking about the fact that it could have been the wife or girlfriend of someone that Tara may have been possibly romantically involved with or been rumored to be involved with. Jealousy could have played a part in there and then he could have been uh, a part of it in the sense of helping to clean up um, the scene or, or to hide Tara's body if that's what happened but to me um, the overall feel of it is that this was perpetrated by a female and I don't know if you all have pursued it um, you know Tara was highly involved in pageants and it could be a possibility that there was someone who was jealous um, if she did assist a particular um, pageant girl um, and that that girl won uh, there could be some jealousy on that so you know just if you have the inclination, if you wouldn't mind just kind of taking a look at the, the women that kind of surround Tara, I think it might be worth your while. Thank you. It's very possible that a, a female could be involved, but there's no evidence to suggest that the DNA on the glove uh, is a uh, full profile of a white male. If a female is involved, then their accomplice, the male accomplice, we do not know who that is. In regards to the, the scene and the, the bedroom and the necklace, uh, a male could easily pull a necklace off as, as a female could. So I don't really see a black truck, which I'm the one that found the information about the black truck. I don't see a black truck being linked to a um, female as much as I do a male. So, I mean, one could be in the background of this, but I, I'm just not uh, convinced because if there was one involved, as I said, we don't know who the male accomplice is because so far there's been no, no DNA match. Thank you very much. 
Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. I'm going to Mexico City, and it's going to be an awesome vacation, all thanks to Viator. If you're looking to book your next trip, Viator is your one-stop shop. They've done all the research for you, from classes and workshops, food and drinks, outdoor activities, sightseeing, cruises, tours, museums. Everything you want to do on a vacation is all right here at your fingertips by using Viator. Viator is the solution you need to ensure you plan the perfect trip and overall travel experience. Viator is a tool you can use to plan and book travel experiences all around the world. The Viator app and website make it easy to explore 300,000 plus travel experiences so you can discover what's out there, no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in. Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means that you can plan something everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been there on the same experiences you're choosing. And if plans changed, there's free cancellation. Plus, Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know that you'll get the support you need at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use the code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, my name is Ian. I'm listening from Boston, Mass. My question is if you guys have ever considered or thought about or have a theory on how many people might be involved, if it, you think it's one or multiple. I, I mean, my theory is that it might have been one person with multiple people covering it up, but I didn't know if there was a theory that either of you guys had on that. And then the second thing would be if we know anything about a connection between Dykes and the police department in Osceola, if there was a, a positive relationship or no relationship or maybe even a, a, a bad relationship between those two. Thank you. Appreciate the podcast. Take care. Bye. That's a good question. GBI has swabbed uh, many people in the main persons of interest. They've polygraphed a lot of them. Uh, they've checked their alibis. Uh, with no DNA match, with no a fingerprint match to the partial print, and passing the polygraph doesn't seem to be able to clear anyone. So it may be that thinking, well, 
the DNA, uh, one of these persons of interest could be involved, but they had accomplice. So, and they don't know who that person is. So that might be the DNA of the white male that's on the glove, the accomplice. That might be one of the reasons why some of these other people has never been cleared. Again, thank you for listening to podcast. Hi, this is Corey from Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm wondering, in one of the first episodes, there was mention of, I think it was a pearl necklace that was scattered on the floor of Tara's house. And I'm wondering if it was confirmed by anyone if she was wearing that necklace that night at the cookout. Because if she was, obviously that would place her in the house and give credence to any sort of scuffle that might have happened. Uh, thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. It's uh, always been reported that the necklace that Tara had on, you can, and there's a picture of it, that she had on at the uh, the pageant and that she had on um, at the barbecue. This necklace she had made, she had gone to the arts and crafts store and got some supplies, and she had made a necklace uh, out of uh, one that was her, her um one of her uh, family members that had been passed down to her. And that was the part of the necklace that was found on the floor the next day after she went missing. I think it was found on Tuesday, on, on, on the scattered on the floor. So, yes, uh, this has always been reported in the media that the, uh, they're the same the necklace and uh, that the, it was found on the uh, parts of it was found on the floor. And I also found, now I don't, don't know if it's related to this particular necklace, but during my search of her bedroom, I found a clasp uh, that you hooked the necklace, and that had been pulled apart. And there's a picture on my blog about that, showing that clasp, and that was turned over. It was collected back and turned over to the GBI in um, March of uh, 06. Thank you for the question. I use stamps.com to simplify my life actually can't remember the last time I went to the post office, and that's a good thing. I use Stamps.com for Up and Vanished to communicate with people. I'm also using it to send out all your cool rewards from the Kickstarter. Stamps.com is also going to be a pivotal part of the new merch store we're making. Pretty much without it, I'd have to go to the post office, and I'd also have to pay more money. Two things that I don't plan on doing. That means trips to the post office, not to mention the lines of the crowd. But thanks to Stamps.com, you just don't have to worry about that. You can use Stamps.com to automatically calculate and print the correct amount of postage for every letter or package you send. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. You can buy and print U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail, period. All right from your desk. Stamps.com makes it easy. They'll send you a digital scale to automatically calculate the exact postage. Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail to use, so you're not wasting your money. And speaking of money, Stamps.com saves you money. That's because they get postage discounts that you can't get at the post office, including three cents off every first class stamp. Anything you do at the post office, you can now do it from your desk. And not to mention, you'll never have to go to the post office again. Right now, you can use my code UP for a special offer, a four-week trial that includes postage and a digital scale. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top, and type in UP, U-P. That's stamps.com, promo code UP, and you'll never go to the post office again. Hi, this is Jennifer. I'm calling from Ackworth, Georgia. I've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, and I don't remember hearing anybody 
say that there's a possibility that Tara might actually still be alive. Uh, there's no body, and I know it seems like she may have been murdered, but is there any possibility that she's alive somewhere, maybe being held, or maybe somewhere where she doesn't want to be found? Thanks. Bye. I guess anything's possible in any case. In this case, I don't think so. There's been no financial activity since uh, October when she went disappeared that Saturday. Uh, there's been no use of the Social Security card. And then her father had her declared dead in 010, and she was declared dead. I seriously doubt that she's, she's alive. No way to sustain herself or anything like that. Thank you for the question. I'm a listener from Atlanta. My question is about this latex glove that is being beat to death, but um, I'm a paramedic in the area, and I was wondering if you guys know if the glove was inside out, because I know when I when somebody takes off a glove, it turns inside out, or if it was just, um, you know, kind of fallen there like it hadn't been used yet. So thanks for answering. See you. Bye. Looking at some of the photographs that were shown on uh, the 48 Hours uh, show, which were actually filmed uh, by 48 Hours at the GBI where uh, Rothwell was showing uh, some of the 8 by 10 photographs, you really can't tell. You can tell the color of it, white or uh, office white, but you can't tell really uh, if the glove was turned inside out or not um, because if you blow it up or enlarge it, it becomes too blurry. Uh, but that would be um, an interesting fact to know that if it was just dropped or if it um, was turned inside out. Thank you very much for the question. Hi, my name is Ellie, and I'm a listener from the Houston area. And I had a theory that I wanted to share about the conundrum of the latex glove. What if the perpetrator had unknowingly dropped the glove in Tara's yard during the night of her disappearance? Let's hypothesize that the perpetrator had connections with law enforcement. And word got back to the perpetrator that a latex glove had been found in Tara's yard. As that glove would obviously implicate the perpetrator, he replaced the original latex glove with a plant. This glove exchange would have happened um, when the glove was in Ocilopedi custody. I know the glove is forensically linked to Tara, but the perpetrator would have had access to Tara's body and could have made sure to link the planted glove to Tara so that the planted glove would be assumed to be the original glove. This theory would make sense with the conflicts about the color of the glove and the fact that the DNA on the glove has never been traced to anyone. So I'm curious as to whether this could be a valid theory and would love to hear Dr. Godwin's thoughts. Thanks. Interesting theory. The only problem with it is, is if the person was in law enforcement and they realized that that the glove that was on the ground, I mean, that they had dropped the glove and it was later switched out by the law enforcement person. You said that because the glove is like forensically linked back to Tara somehow, that they had access to the body. And the, the problem with that is, is that even after that Monday, like on Wednesday, supposedly where the glove was at in the police department. And, and I don't know that that's actually accurate or not, but let's assume that that person would have to take the glove back to where the body was at, get the DNA of her on the glove with the unknown DNA 
so it won't be linked to them and carry it back and put it back in there. Now, you're also dealing with, not just with DNA. You're also dealing with a partial print. So now you've you've got what you consider the original glove that's been destroyed and replaced with one with Tara's DNA on it and an unknown male DNA on it and a partial print. That's that's very difficult to pull off, but it's an interesting theory you had there. But I, I don't think that that happened at all. Thank you very much for the question. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, Payne. Um, I'm a listener from San Francisco, and I've really enjoyed the podcast. I just had a sort of theory slash question for you, which is um, something I thought about the other day when I was trying to locate my cell phone is that one of the reasons that you would call a cell phone 30 times in one day is because you're trying to find that cell phone. Has anyone thought about the fact that um, one of the reasons he might have called that phone over and over is if he had been with Tara the night before? before for any reason and had thought uh, that she might have her cell phone on her and was desperately trying to find it so that he could get rid of it for some reason. 
um, I don't know. It's just a theory that I thought of. If somebody didn't know her cell phone was sitting there in her home and they thought it was with her and something happened to her, they might be trying to find the phone. So the phone couldn't be used to find her if it was on her person using find my phone, right? Okay, just a thought. Thanks. Very good question. And I've not heard this one before. The only problem with that is if he's calling the phone trying to find the phone, then he is uh, pinging his phone in the same general area. Now, there are some criminals that do this, and it's, uh, they're sitting in prison. This is a, a, you know, a seasoned detective, and he would know better than that. Now, there's a possible way around that is that a person could be using a burner phone and the phone that you actually made the phone calls with, you know, was would be uh, the, the actual phone with the, his number. And then the burner phone was used uh, some other way. But I just don't see it because the, the cell him calling the cell phone. Uh, now, he could he could have been calling the phone standing outside of the house Sunday night when he was there. He could have called it several times uh, to, to see if it was ringing inside. I mean, I don't know that that happened. But to, in case to see if he lost it where it was at, so the pings won't be used to show the general location of the body, that uh, that would implicate him because his phone would be pinging in the general area, and if she and if he's calling her phone, her phone is pinging in the same area. You definitely do not want that in in a missing murder case. So I I very seriously doubt that that happened. Thank you very much uh, for the good question. Hello, love the show, love the love the podcast. Question regarding the case file. You can't Tara's family petition the court to declare her legally dead? And if so, since this isn't a murder case, wouldn't that just close that file and allow you then or anyone access to uh, to those files to do some additional digging? Thanks so much. It's an uh, interesting question. Uh, she was declared dead in 10 by her father does that make the case closed absolutely not is this a missing person case absolutely is this a murder case 99.9 percent or more that this is a this is a homicide case and it's been treated for over 10 years although still missing person officially it's been treated in as a as a, a homicide case it is an active, open investigation with sensitive information, sensitive people's information. So, uh, yes, the family could hire a lawyer, and this has been done by families, and they could petition the court and have a hearing, and a judge could could say, "Hey, you've not moved this thing forward." Uh, the family wants to bring in uh, a private investigator or whatever, and and uh, and they need access to the files. Uh, would the judge rule like that uh, against the Georgia Open Records Law? That's doubtful. Uh, if it was a 25-year-old case, you may have a, a little bit more uh, a stronger case to do that. That's never been explored in this case about trying to get the case files by the family. Good question. And thank you for listening to the podcast. My name's Drew, big fan, calling from uh, Destin, Florida. Um, yeah, just with everything you said about how the GBI has been handling the case and whatnot, um, 
I was just curious why the uh, FBI hasn't stepped in, given that it is a missing persons case. Um, and there's allegations of uh, mishandling of evidence uh, with the chain of custody and everything. Uh, I think there's enough precedence for their jurisdiction um, in this case. Just, just wondering if they've had uh, anything to do with it. Thank you very much for asking uh, a question and uh, listening to the podcast out of Florida. The FBI really can't get involved in the case unless they're, they're across state lines, and there's no evidence that there's any state lines that's been crossed in this case. We don't know where she's at. Uh, also, they have to be asked in by the state, uh, by the investigative agency. Uh, they, uh, in jurisdiction of the case, uh, was turned over from a PD to the GBI, and it's been their case since that Monday. Uh, in 2005, um, for the FBI to come in, they would have to be asked to come in by the GBI. Will that happen? Not unless there's something something of hers that is found in, say, in Florida or, or South Carolina or some other state, and they probably could ask them to come in to do some things uh, but I, I don't think that they, uh, the FBI would, uh, would be asked in into this case. Thank you very much. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, episode 13 comes out on February 27th. But before that, there'll be a bonus case evidence this coming Monday. And don't forget about our contest either. We're giving away five framed up and vanished posters from framebridge.com. To enter, all you have to do is rate and write a review of Up and Vanish on iTunes. We're picking five random people out of all the reviews. I also want to give a special thanks to Resonate Recordings for editing and mixing today's episode. They specialize in podcast editing and production. If you're looking to improve the quality of your podcast or start a podcast of your own, check them out at ResonateRecordings.com. Thanks, guys, and I'll see you Monday.